0: What is up, listeners? It's me, Ben Herbal, alongside my brother Elijah, welcoming you to another week with the Husker Half Hour. On this first episode, we're going to be talking about that disappointing loss to Indiana. We were so, so close, and yet so, so, so far away. We're also going to take a look at those black alternate jerseys. Did the defense deserve to be wearing those out on the field? And finally, we're going to take a look at our culture overall as a team. Before the season started, we had a lot of guys talking the talk, and now that we're eight games in, there's a lot of people that aren't really walking the walk. So we're going to take a look at that and more on this first episode of the week. Let's do this thing. Wait, wait. I'm not sure if you thought about it this way. Uh, Indiana. <laughs> Elijah, they had... Vegas gave it to them. Indiana
1: not- should never be favored. I, well, Nebraska did. Uh, it eventually moved uh, by the end of the week, and right before game time, Nebraska was favored. Oh, in really? In that game, just barely, uh, by two and a half, I think.
0: So that's because all the Husker fans got on and started started changing, changing this out that mm-hmm. we were... Uh, we're such diehard fans that we will change the Vegas odds single Yeah, because
1: there are so many bets coming in that Vegas is like, okay, well, that means we can change this line and we can make more money. <laughs> so, uh, Nebraska can not do that. But... Uh, Indiana. Indiana.
0: That's what we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: I'm just so disappointed still um, because it's the funding factor. Indiana's a basketball school. We're a volleyball school, but whatever. Indiana's a basketball school. They're not good at football. And okay, Tom Allen, good coach. Um he game planned really well for Nebraska.
0: Indiana fans are saying that this is the this is the turnaround for Indiana. Tom Allen's taking them places. He's the coach for Indiana. He's uh he's going to make it happen apparently.
1: The interesting quote from after the game was from Indiana's athletic director who said that uh that the team and coach Allen himself felt disrespected by Nebraska coming into the weekend during the game by some things that were said. Uh, Scott Frost said
0: like what? Yeah.
1: Scott Frost said today that he never felt like he disrespected Indiana and he wants Indiana to reach out to him, to let him know because he wants to know if in some way, Nebraska's felt like they disrespected Indiana. How can I give you an apology? Um, If, Coach Allen from Indiana could make his team feel disrespected by Nebraska to get them to play harder. Props to them because Nebraska did not play hard at all. Right. I-, I wish Nebraska had felt disrespected by Indiana. Nebraska should have felt disrespected by Indiana by the end of that game. When Indiana went up thirty-eight to nothing, uh, their running back was in the end zone throwing the bones and then putting him to sleep. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. How, that's disrespectful. As a black shirt who's wearing a black jersey, to see that you should take some pride in yourself and and figure it out, dude. Take away the black shirts at that point. I tweeted this from the from the yeah. uh, the account, but take oh, away- oh
0: <laughs> shameless plug after yeah. half hour on Twitter. Uh, yeah, well, sorry, you were, you're tweeting out what that nobody on that defense deserves a black shirt hmm. after that performance. Not Cam Taylor, Brent. No. Uh, I want to get into this to a bit because I do want to start with some positives, and I know I've just kind of ranted here for a couple minutes. You're really upset, honestly more upset so than i thought you would be i thought at this point in the season it wouldn't be a shock to you for us to lose so really you're you're that disappointed with this game honestly? i'm not i'm not
1: disappointed i'm not that surprised that we lost i'm disappointed with how lifeless our defense looked at times while mm. wearing black uniforms mm, yeah
0: at home at, at home, home crowd
1: home crowd uh, and you can't get a stop in the second half essentially it, it was just it was sad to watch that they could just throw the ball all over us into what is supposedly the strength of our defense was our secondary we couldn't get a pass rush but we, uh, I, I want to I talk about that in a second because okay, okay. it is important to get some positives away first because I don't want to make it seem like this is the most negative game in the world. It's not. I'm right. disappointed we lost, but we did see some good things from the offense. Uh, in fact, according to the athletic department, this is a tweet that I saw from uh, Dan Corey, who's K-O-K-O-K-N, I believe? Channel 8, yeah. And uh, he said that Nebraska offense was 20 of 23 through the year um, with... A one wide receiver, J.D. Spielman, was one for one. And then with a second-string quarterback in Noah Bedrill and a third-string quarterback in Luke McCaffrey. That's an 86.9% completion percentage, which is a school record.
0: The efficiency was nice.
1: The offense was was humming, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. Um, And and an interesting stat I saw from the game was that we did have uh, a 52.1% success rate uh, against Illinois with our plays, and that has dropped to below 50% in... uh, in all games since Illinois. Mm-hmm. We've been below 50% on sex- success rate for offense. And Oops, uh, <laughs> Success rate. <laughs> uh, but against Indiana on Saturday, Nebraska posted a 52.7% success rate. And uh, with Noah Vedral in, it was 48.8%. With Luke McCaffrey in, our play success rate was 58.1%.
0: That's success rate is measured by what?
1: Success rate just means that the play works as intended. Mm -hmm. So if it's a passing play, a positive passing play is a success. Uh, A rush for, I think, more than two yards is a success. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it it can also be a failure. Uh, Say you run the ball and uh, the running back has to completely reverse field because the the hole is empty and you still end up getting 10 yards out of it. That goes down as a a successful play. What happens happens
0: whenever we're kneeling? Uh, that does <laughs> if not If we factor three in. times in a row, come on. That's I don't... <laughs> success. That's a success, baby.
1: Uh, and that Ben is making a good point about just how metrics can sometimes prove your point. But I think whenever you do go watch that game, it felt like the most success we've had on offense since Minnesota, which is a positive. Mm. Uh, we couldn't always convert. Um, and especially in in the key moments, in the key moments in the red zone, we missed a field goal. uh, And that was after, that was after we picked up a fourth and one, but it got called back because of an illegal formation. Right. And Scott Frost said after the game. And then again, in today's Monday press conferences that he saw mistakes on the field on Saturday, he hadn't seen since the first couple games of last year whenever we had all the issues, whenever we led the nation in penalty yards pretty much, and Scott Frost called us the most undisciplined team in the country. He said he was experiencing and seeing some of those same mistakes coming back to life. And I think that's proven with a a 58% success rate on your plays. Hmm. Whenever you have a 58% success rate and you only put up 31 points, uh, and that's against a defense that allowed an average success rate of 35.7% on the year. Indiana's defense allowed success rate of plays of thirty five point seven percent. So
0: Nebraska was operating.
1: Very Nebraska well. was operating very efficiently on offense, and it came down to mistakes and key moments that held them back, and just lack of execution at times. Mm-hmm. Whenever the the moments felt vital, it felt like Indiana would convert on third and fourth down. It felt right. like Nebraska would shoot themselves in the foot on third and fourth down. We'd right. have to punt.
0: Speaking of allowing Indiana to to convert third and fourth downs, um, Darian Daniels felt like Monday and Tuesday practices were really efficient, focused practices. And he said the practice on Wednesday dropped off. There wasn't as much focus. And Wednesday was the day that they were um, practicing pass plays and third down plays. Uh, So he felt like they were strong on first and second down because they were focused on Monday, Tuesday, and weak on third down because uh, they had an unfocused practice on Wednesday that's what they're saying when it, we have to have a, a good day of practice, a focused day of practice every single day of the week. Right. And, and one day you let it slide a uh, pregame warmups. You let it slide and that can cost you the game.
1: Yeah. And honestly, what I saw from the offense was about some of the only positives. I think our, our run defense also played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about the extent for positives as a whole. Though Our offense appeared to have life again yeah. uh, because we were avoiding, uh, Making our offensive line block essentially a mm-hmm. lot of rollouts for our quarterbacks, mm-hmm. a lot of outside zone plays, uh, but we, we can't ignore the elephant in the room. And that's just how poorly our defense played all day. Right
0: uh, it- there, mm-hmm. Elijah. What? How did you feel overall about McCaffrey's play in the game? Um, I felt a sense of excitement seeing him run out of the field. I think a lot of Husker fans, a lot of listeners, were excited to see McCaffrey go out, even though it hurt to see Vedro leave the field. There was there was a little a little excitement to see McCaffrey get out there and show stuff. How did you feel looking back in the game? How how he operated with the offense? It's funny you should
1: ask because we actually had a grab bag uh, letter sent in this week that we'll get to for the show on Wednesday. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, where we'll kind of talk about some of the young guys coming in. But I think that McCaffrey kind of proved my point with what I said last week during the show that it's time to get these young guys in and see what they can do because McCaffrey obviously cared. After his touchdown pass to Keno Wainoa, he was the first guy or second guy there mm-hmm. who was hitting him on the helmet and all excited. And it, it's the passion and it shows. Mm-hmm. Luke McCaffrey wanted to go out there and win that game. and wanted He wanted to be he, on the field. He, yeah. he didn't just want to go win that game, he wanted to go be the MVP of that game. Right. And I don't see that from enough guys on that offense or on that defense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but but well, it's well,
0: a privilege to be on the field. It's like, it's time to like show your stuff, it's time yeah. to compete. It's exactly. It's time to carry the team bring the intensity and yeah. i
1: don't want to completely detract from our conversation for this wednesday grab bag no yeah yeah yeah. let's see. and you, you can hear more about uh what we think there uh, yeah. so tune into that oh, get, but let's, let's get, get back, back to our point yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah back to back to the defense let's talk that's what you were about to say before i cut you off and
1: that's where i want most of this talk to be because essentially we're playing in black jerseys and the the black shirt tradition was disrespected i think on saturday mm. uh with how that defense played uh you couldn't stop a pass play credit to indiana uh, Nebraska said they came in with a game plan they were trying to stop the run and make Indiana one dimensional and instead Indiana came in with a game plan was almost air raid attack that they were going to roll with some incompletions and be okay if they could uh if they would throw the ball on first down because they wanted to test Nebraska's supposedly strength in their pass defense and they exploited it. Hmm. Uh Ben do you think it was disrespectful for that defense to be wearing the black jerseys and put in a performance like that?
0: Hmm. To me it felt like there was little weight in the first place, like honestly, I think it was a, a cool thing. I think for sure it was disrespectful. We also know that they're not, they aren't really the black. I mean, they, the black shirts have not been the black shirts for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you could argue Bo Pelini's defenses for a little bit there, uh, played with some intensity and swagger of black shirts. But even then, the tradition itself was was pretty weak. The mm-hmm. tradition. The tradition of the black shirts is returning to where it once was. If you look at this season, when Frost had the the former black shirts come in and award the black shirt jerseys to uh, the recipients on the starting defense, um, that culture of the black shirts is coming back. And I think that's where the disrespect comes from. Is that it hurts more because the culture is starting to get in the right direction, mm-hmm. right? I we mean, we if, can see the potential. If this was a couple seasons ago, we wouldn't. This wouldn't even be a conversation, right? It like it's disrespectful to the black shirts because we thought this year it meant something. Uh and it it hasn't. I don't think what we saw on Saturday was any different than the way we've seen Blackshirts disrespected for years. Garrett it Nelson, just hurts more cuz we're getting there.
1: Garrett Nelson had a great quote in post game. We'll play that here now uh, where he talks about um he starts it off and says I think a lot of Blackshirts are probably punching holes in the wall right now when they watch that game because of how how much we disrespected their legacy. So take a listen to that.
0: Yeah, um a lot of former Blackshirts are probably uh putting some holes through some walls but you know I don't blame them. Um, I'm, I'm kind of on the same level with them right now. Um, disrespectful to them, disrespectful for uh, any form of blackshirt to put on that performance and I, you know I put that on myself and obviously um, make mistakes you know two or three critical mistakes in that game but uh, you know just it's, uh, it's frustrating to wear those jerseys and have that outcome obviously.
1: That's good stuff from Garrett you Nelson.
0: You love to hear it just because it's someone who understands what the culture is mm-hmm. and understands where it's going, right? And that's
1: why he's a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. It's because he understands and he's trying to change it. He's a person who, when every time he's out in the field, he wants to be an MVP. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the guy who's leading the defense and making the plays.
0: And it hurts because we're moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the ultimate point I want to make is that that was a painful game to watch, disrespectful to the black shirts because we're moving in a direction that returns the honor to the black shirts uh
1: I, I, I do want to read the stats mm-hmm, off real quick mm-hmm. because indiana's offense had 455 yards uh total on the day uh, nebraska's offense had 514 which whenever you pull up 514 yards of offense i think you should score more than 31 points mm-hmm. personally uh, and i think that speaks to what we said earlier about nebraska not being able to uh finish drives uh, felt like
0: kind of, it felt like little mistakes here and there that mm. just killed momentum. Yeah. You have um, a
1: first down run and you get blown up in the backfield. Right. And barely get back to the line of scrimmage. Or no federal
0: fumbles on a drive when he shouldn't and yeah. sets them up to score. Yeah. You know. Um... I, I do
1: want to say, though, that uh, Indiana threw the ball for 351 yards on that, that Nebraska secondary who was supposed to be solid. And I don't know if we can place that on the secondary. 27 to 40 for 351 yards. Uh, whenever there is 40 pass attempts... And you can't get a rush on the passer. Mm-hmm. You're really hanging your defense out to dry. Yeah. Uh, especially guys. I mean, Lamar Jackson, DiCaprio, Boodle didn't have their best game, but uh the pass rushers probably had their worst game of the season on Saturday. They could not get any pressure. There's how many times uh, did you see Ramsey, the quarterback, uh, drop back, go through his first read, go through his second read get a little bit flustered because he's like, oh, I'm about to get sacked. And he looks at his line and realizes, oh, no, I still have oh, okay. time. And then he looks back up in the pocket, makes his third read, almost gets to his fourth read, and finally makes at it throw. At that
0: point, the receiver has become open because it's there's taken... only so long that the cornerbacks and safeties can, can cover a wide receiver.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to say that the, the defensive struggles, I think, were more on the front four. Because mm-hmm. whenever you need to start bringing five and six,
0: you're mm-hmm. leaving your secondary out to dry even right. more. You're, you're
1: compounding the issue.
0: At, at that point, you have to expect to, to get pressure on the quarterback doing a job to some degree mm-hmm. to be able to give your line in outside linebackers and inside linebackers, the chance to get pressure on the quarterback. What scares
1: me is teams have a blueprint now to beat Nebraska this year. Mm. And it, this is not a problem that we can fix this year. Not having a pass rusher isn't a fixable problem this year. Not having somebody who can consistently get after the quarterback right. is, is a problem that teams are going to realize and they're going to be able to scheme for, and they're going to be able to get yards on us. If they just know, Oh, they can't sack our quarterback. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is get back there and take a three or five step drop and wait for receivers to get open.
0: And to me, this stems from a lack of a threat at outside linebacker. still. I think going into the season,
1: we... We we talked about this. I said you need... I I remember saying this in our season preview, was that the thing that scared me most was not having a game record on defense Mm -hmm. in that front seven. Mm -hmm. And you, you saw that in the game on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I think we thought that it was a weakness going into the season. We thought we might be surprised after the first couple games... Uh, and Allison linebacker, Tyron Ferguson, who else is... Uh, no. Alex
1: Davis, Tyron Ferguson, JoJo Doman rushes sometimes. I think JoJo is... Uh, Caleb Tanner.
0: Maybe this... Is JoJo maybe the strongest threat out of all those guys? Or just... He has he has maybe more football instinct than the other guys do. And it feels like he, he puts in the most effort every single game. Right. Um, but I think just overall underperformance at that position uh, as the season has progressed. Um, to some degree, you can't... I don't know how much blame you can put on the front three. Uh, Whenever you've got three down linemen, how much pressure can they bring? Carlos and Khalil were... I mean, Khalil had one
1: uh, sack, but then he also had the issue where he roughed the passer and got his ass chewed on the sideline by Scott Frost. Um, And I I don't want to say those guys are part of the problem around here, but you can't go off to your sideline and yell at your coach whenever you have made a mistake. That's the same thing happened to Lamar Jackson last year. mm -hmm. He makes a mistake on the field. He goes off and yells at Scott Frost, and... He got
0: his ass benched, Elijah, before we talk about our culture as a whole, as a program, what do you think about Khalil? Do you think that he is someone who's replaceable with the way that he's, the pass rush he's been bringing to the game so far this season? Well, <clears throat> yes and no.
1: So, I look back to defenses past, and every single one of them has that game record, And Khalil has shown himself to be the probably the best pass rushing defense alignment that we have. And even with that being said, he's not a game wrecker. I mean, look back at our good defenses. They had a game wrecker in that, that top seven. A guy who could come in, and you would look at that guy, and as an offense, if you said, if we don't account for this guy, if we don't somehow scheme away from him, and if he has a big day, it's done for our offense. Our offense is not going to work today if we can't scheme for that dude. For Ohio State, they have Chase Young. Uh, mm. That's our, our modern-day example, our, our teams now. When you look back in the Bo Pliny years, you had the Indomitable Sioux team. You had the Levante David team. You had the Randy Gregory team. Even Jared Crick could have been a, a game record by himself. Um, and after Levante David, you got Will Compton. Guys that whenever you don't account for them in the front seven, they can do... Malik Collins, even, yeah. As going into even recent memory, mm-hmm. was a guy who if you didn't account for him, he was going to make the offense's life impossible. And Khalil isn't that for the offense. And... Or, sorry, isn't that for the defense or for the offense? You know you know what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, And so do you see anybody on the depth chart that can bring that in the next two years even? Well, that, that's what I'm saying
1: is with Khalil coming off the field and yelling at your head coach like that, you, you don't want that guy on the field. You don't want that guy around, especially after he's already thrown a punch this year allegedly against Ohio State, and he uh, had another personal foul called against him against uh, Northwestern. Uh, he's had the roughing the passer calls now against uh, Indiana. He's yelled with Scott Frost. At what point do you say, okay, uh, we only have a couple games left. Jakeem Green, it's time for you to get some play time and go earn your earn your scholarship here, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, that, that's my opinion on it, is if you got a guy who's consistently going to be a problem, yeah, he plays hard, but he plays dumb. And he's not good enough to play dumb, if that makes sense. Yeah. He, he's not a, a big enough piece of the Stevens. Randy Gregory can fail all the weed tests in the world. It doesn't matter he's good enough for a defense that he's going to keep playing. Right, Khalil Davis right now isn't good enough for a defense that he can make mistakes like that and continue playing. So I think in that position, I'd like to see other people step up.
0: There's been very little shuffling around at that defensive line like I thought there might be at the beginning of the season. I really felt like it was pretty deep. Um, but now it looks like still he's about the only person that can come in and or at least the only person they've been using to come in and, and swap out with either of the Davises.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and as of right now, the, the – defensive line being able to pass rush is the main problem I see with the defense linebackers we can get into here in a second because I think the linebackers have been a big big issue as well not being able to to cover the pass and not being able to maintain their run lanes uh, linebackers a tough position I get it but the, the, oh, the, the, what, what the front seven
0: at, okay sorry keep talking
1: the, no um, I'll, I'll let you get there in a second but the front seven is is the issues is the defensive line not being able to pass rush and the linebackers not being able to read between a, a run and
0: a pass and being able to adjust accordingly and make a play. Um, speaking of protecting your lane in the pass rush, uh, did you catch that play where, um, we blitzed, was it a cornerback blitz? Is that what happened? Um, and oh gosh, see, I'm butchering cause I can't remember who's actually in on the play. Uh, it's where the quarterback scrambled for a touchdown. Um, oh, because- it was the, uh, so it was the triple option play. That's what it
1: was. Whenever the quarterback had a touchdown. Yeah. So, um, I, I watched this play. I actually went in and, and analyzed it. It was the, uh, second quarter. Indiana was going right to left on the TV screen, and
0: yes, I'm thinking of a different play. You think a different going, play? Keep going. Go I'm, I'm thinking of a triple
1: option play where the quarterback walks in untouched. Mm-hmm. He could have legitimately walked. And what happened was, was it's a tough play because everyone on the offensive line crashes down to the right, and it's the running back is to the left of the quarterback in the shotgun, and he's running right as well. And there's also motion coming across the formation. And it was uh, a zone read to type. And mm-hmm. what happens is the end crashes down. Garrett Nelson crashes down and follows the running back into the play. And he makes the tackle there. And what happens is is that defensive end gets left unblocked. And the tackle who's on that defensive end goes straight up to the linebacker and tries to seal. Right. Because it's that that middle backer's job to flow around. And he gets the uh, the quarterback. And the safety comes down. And he, or whoever the secondary guy is, he gets the running back up Takes the third option. And he yeah. gets the third option, yeah. And what happens is Will Honus gets stuck inside and he allows himself to get blocked. So Garrett Nelson crashes down and then it's a main advantage. You have a quarterback and a running back against one player on the outside. All the quarterback has to do is turn up field as the quarterback plays the running back and it's an easy touchdown. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the little things I'm saying with the linebackers not being able to quickly read enough. They get themselves lost in the wash a lot. Um, on RPO action, you get them seeing washed up into the line a lot and they allow a lot of crossing routes behind them. They've been a liability in the past and they've been a liability in the run.
0: So, uh, you made the argument though that the defensive line not having an inability to put pressure or the front seven it, having it puts an you in inability. a tough place. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Is I, I get it for the linebackers is <laughs> you're expected to be covering wide receivers now and the whenever the the line can't get there, mm-hmm. uh you're now stuck on an island with a wide receiver and you're going right. to get beat.
0: Right. And we know with Shenander's defense, uh it's said a lot that the outside linebacker is the most important position. It's, it's on about plain fast wreaking havoc. Right.
1: And Darian Daniels said in the in the post game that not just the outside backers, the whole line as a whole wasn't really playing fast and wreaking havoc because, um, I mean, there was talk last week on the Husker side is, oh, why can't the team just come out and say who their starting quarterback is going to be? Why do you need to play all these games? But the defensive line said that uh, they weren't sure if it was going to be pinnicks coming in and playing quarterback for Indiana or if mm-hmm. it was going to be Ramsey. Mm-hmm. So they came in and they preached – Not rushing upfield too much, keeping your rush lanes, because Penix is a guy where if he's able to break contain, he can be a threat running down the field. Ramsey is not. So the defensive line, according to Darian Daniels, all week was focused so much on maintaining your rush lanes, keeping the quarterback in the pocket, and making him be a pocket passer. But whenever Ramsey comes out into the field and he is allowed to be a pocket passer, he thrives there. You don't want him to run. So Darian Daniels said that the the game plan almost wasn't to wreak havoc. The game plan was to let them make mistakes and it, it didn't work. And you, you can see that in the game with the the lack of pressure we had on him. You'd think that you could make in-game adjustments. Uh, the defense couldn't do it. And that was the story of the game really.
0: Right. And I think that some of that stems from the inability of the team to, to be focused before the game. Um, Darren Daniels press conference. Um, this is all across the media. I'm sure there's, Nobody listening that hasn't heard this. But he had to get after the team a little bit in the warm-ups before the game. Uh, just that people's heads weren't in the right places. There was side chatter. Uh, no one was dialed in. Um, and and you, it, you felt like that during the game. It yeah. Felt, it felt like guys in that defense especially weren't dialed in. Right. And it's that lack of dialing in that leads to you making the little mistakes. It's uh, Or even just the attitude that whenever – the offense doesn't score a touchdown. The offense goes three and out. The defense has to go on before they want to. Uh, that dialed in attitude of we're gonna go out there and play hard, even though I don't want to be on the field right now. I the offense dropped the ball in this situation. Uh, it's our time to go step up. and And I think there just doesn't feel like there's a lot of players out there on that field who have the the attitude of going out there and stepping up even whenever the, their teammates don't do their job all the way. Right? Like mm-hmm. it's the offensive's job is to get points. I'm sure it's frustrating for the defense when the offense doesn't score. Uh, and the players that come out and play hard, even at, even though they were just out there, maybe a three and out drive ago. Uh, the people who want to get back out there and still – kick ass like that's a black shirt attitude right is to yeah. put the team on your back and win and, and and that's where i felt like we were at the beginning of the season but as the season's gone on it feels like just their actions aren't where their mouth is right and it, that's kind of where this team is right now it's like as the, the season's progressed there's a lot of people on this team who i think they can talk the talk but they haven't been walking the walk and 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 the people that are stepping up and talking the talk and walking the walk are like Wandale, mm-hmm. like young guys on the team. Wandale, it's Darian. I mean, Darian's leading that way. Uh, Wandale, Darian, Garrett Nelson, um, Cam Taylor, Britt, JoJo Doman. Who else is actually walking the walk? Adrian
1: Martinez, Adrian Martinez, Vedral, all those guys. Um, I mean, Wandale especially though, is he played hurt against Indiana? He played like he wasn't hurt. Scott Frost had a great quote on that. Uh, just take a listen here. Wow, do you hear that? Scott Frost said Wandale is the only guy out there, not only guy, but that deserved a black shirt. Hmm. He deserved to be wearing a black shirt on Saturday, and I, I can only agree. And then Wandale went after the game and said, I got to get it through some of these upperclassmen's head that uh, the, the culture shift kind of begins with us and we need to take steps to to change the culture and that mm. some of the, the older guys in this team still haven't gotten it through their heads mm. it's, it's almost it's a relapse is what it is is the guys get discouraged the season's not going how they want and you relapse back to the old Mike Riley habits mm. and the young guys are there to say no we can't let this happen we're, we're building something here you guys might be gone and graduated by the time it's great but it, it's starting now yeah
0: and-, and that's that's the difference between last year's seniors and this year's seniors is I think last year's seniors really took it upon themselves to, to understand that the turnaround wasn't going to happen in their time, but they were going to leave a foundation. I haven't felt that in the seniors this year quite as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't felt like th- there's guys out there who are going to put in the dirty work to lay the foundation for a team who – they might not reap the benefits of it, but they're going to get out there and get after it. You know, I don't see that in the Davis twins yet this year. I don't see that in, I mean, which other seniors do you, do you feel that Lamar Jackson? I do.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, I know we're getting close on time here. Uh, I do want to let you see some, uh, some Lamar Jackson tweets uh, that he has tweeted since the the game on Saturday. And he seems like a guy who is discouraged. Obviously that season's going, but he's still trying to lead. Uh, he said, Right after the game, he tweeted, horrible game by 21, I fix it, I'll promise. Mm. Which I, I think is huge to go take responsibility. He didn't have to. He wasn't in front of press conference, or in front of the, the media, in front of a, a press conference saying this. He went on Twitter himself and said, I know people are disappointed. Uh, I'm sorry, it was a horrible game by me, I'll go fix it. Um, he tweeted uh, later yesterday, they only count as L's if you don't learn from them.
0: Mm.
1: So what he's saying is, it, yeah, it counts as an L on the on the, on the schedule, but as a team, as a player myself, I don't want to let this count as a personal L towards me. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to get better. Right. And the last thing uh, he tweeted, which I really liked, was, I just can't wait to play again. Excited for the bounce back. Hmm. Sounds like Lamar Jackson's taking it in stride. He wants to learn from it. Uh, I hope other guys in the defense can learn from it as
0: well. But where's that been for the entire team this year? How many losses this year have we felt like we've bounced back from stronger than we were before and learned from our mistakes? It feels, It feels like that was... Evident last year as the season went on, and we continued to get better. Haven't felt like there's been that turnaround this year where we've we've learned from our losses.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm not saying the season's lost uh, because it's very important we make a bowl. Another question that we got for the grab back episode. Yeah. uh, Before we go, it's not like the season's lost or anything, uh, but there is a point where you hope that the young guys are taking lessons from this. Mm -hmm. This isn't the most successful season we all hoped for. This isn't the successful season that I think we had the potential for. Um, but it, I hope as Lamar Jackson said that just because we took an L this season doesn't mean that the, the guys don't learn from it the, the young guys have a lot of time left in this program They need to step up and they need to learn from the mistakes of the upperclassmen and not let themselves fall into those those bad habits of You know not being disciplined uh, Not working your ass off in the offseason and not trying to maintain a black shirt mentality So that's where we'll leave ya um, Bowl still possible Uh, we'll talk about that later in the week so stick with us for that Uh, again like subscribe follow us on twitter at Husker Husker Half Half Hour Hour. subscribe Spotify Apple Music whatever streaming service you like thanks for listening this week guys remember to tune in for the grab bag episode coming to you on Wednesday and the preview episode coming later this week
0: alright see you later